Hello, I'm Chris Neeland, host of a new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders looking to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Each year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind iconic brands like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. I love that we were able to honor Shopify at the 2021 gathering. You know, we don't shine a spotlight on as many B2B brands as I'd like, but it's not for lack of trying. It's because we lack sufficient nominees. Way too many B2B business leaders are settling for good enough, and few are striving to become something more remarkable. I think what Shopify is doing is a world-class example that every single B2B marketing department, probably even the C-suite, should take a couple of hours to listen to and to workshop together about how they can rise up and more meaningfully compete by employing some of the strategies and the tactics that Amy is gonna share. I've been in a few boardrooms over the years where B2B software or services companies have talked about how can they more holistically enable entrepreneurship. And while Fortune 1000 companies are getting all of the headlines and media coverage, North America is really built on the backs of entrepreneurs and small businesses. You know, small businesses account for two thirds of all of the new jobs that are created annually. I like that Shopify doesn't just give lip service to how they can empower entrepreneurs. Rather, it is their entire business model. It is also their brand ethos. They truly walk the walk. In fact, A whopping 42% of Shopify's 3,000 plus employees are running their own businesses and are encouraged to have side hustles so that they can be even more empathetic to the customers and the communities that they serve. Amy is going to share several great examples of how Shopify makes heroes of small business owners and that they not only use their products, but they use their marketing to help entrepreneurs succeed. Let's hear what she has to say about that. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Huff, Head of Brand Marketing and Communications at Shopify. I'm coming to you from my home city of New York. I happen to think New York is the most entrepreneurial city in the world, and I'm thrilled to see it coming back alive. Small businesses and restaurants opening their doors after such a devastating past year. And today, entrepreneurship is what I'm here to talk to you about, specifically, how to build your brand like an entrepreneur. I joined Shopify back in 2018, and I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard of it. I got it confused like many people do with the music streaming platform that has the similar green logo. But I liked what I heard and I was intrigued. I started my career in magazine editorial, mostly writing entertainment celebrity articles. Then I got sick and tired of celebrity publicists calling and yelling at me, and I decided to get my MBA at Columbia. From there, I spent about 15 years or so working in marketing and communications agencies for some of the best known brands in the world across fashion, beauty, luxury, lifestyle. 
I thought I knew exactly how to build a brand. But when I arrived at Shopify, I learned very quickly that to work at Shopify, you have to break all the conventions that you arrive with. We're so innately and subtly trained through our young work life to believe that our systems of work are absolute truths. But in reality, there are no absolute truths. Here's a tweet from our founder, Toby. You don't get in trouble for taking risks at Shopify. You get in trouble for not taking risks. When you focus on brand and comms like I do, it's very hard to train yourself to take risks. So much of what I do has a potential impact on the company's reputation, on our stock price, on our trust and credibility with the world and our customers. So it's really easy to want to do the things the way that they've always been done. But that's not how entrepreneurs act. And at Shopify, we believe everyone can be an entrepreneur, including those of us who work on the company's brand. There's also a saying that goes, there are no new ideas. Shopify has opened my eyes and taught me that when it comes to product, tech, and entrepreneurship, there are still new ideas. That's exactly what successful entrepreneurs do. They find the new idea. And as a marketer, to truly act like an entrepreneur, you have to unlearn those established truths. Now I'm going to share with you some stories and examples about how we're doing this at Shopify. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the company. In 2004, our CEO, Toby Lutke, launched a store to sell snowboards online called Snow Devil. Back then, online store software was really expensive and complicated to use. So Toby decided to write his own software and build his own store, which he could do because he's an engineer. It soon became clear to him that the software was far more valuable than the actual snowboard store, and that's how Shopify was born. Shopify provides tools for entrepreneurs to start, grow, market, and manage a business of any size. We like to say we go from first sale to full scale. Here's how Toby describes Shopify in a letter he wrote when we went public in 2015. Shopify is exactly this, the only platform you need to build your empire. Shopify is the first thing our merchants log into in the morning and the last thing they log out of in the evening. It's at the heart of their business, a responsibility that we take very seriously. Our mission is to make commerce better for everyone. And this mission informs every decision and everything we do as a company. Over the past 15 years, we've seen tremendous growth at Shopify, but we don't just look at our growth and our bottom line or our stock price. We like to look at the global economic impact of our entire ecosystem. Let me give you a few stats. We currently have 1.7 million merchants across 175 countries. We've seen $277 billion of sales go through our platform with 120 billion just in this past year alone. Our partner ecosystem, which I'll talk more about a bit later, has seen $6.9 billion of sales. And in 2019, our merchants supported 2.1 million full-time jobs. For us, the impact of our ecosystem is the future economy we want, one with more entrepreneurs. So now I'm gonna take you through five principles that inform how we look at entrepreneurial brand building at Shopify. The first, understand your brand purpose. Now this might seem intuitive and obvious to you, but in my experience, a lot of people don't understand what a brand purpose is or how important it is. Behind every good brand is a purpose and a reason why you're building what you're building and why it matters. Nike is teaching everyone to be an athlete. 
At Shopify, we're teaching everyone to be an entrepreneur, but more importantly, we believe everyone can be an entrepreneur. When I joined Shopify, we were a company that was 100% focused on performance and growth marketing. We were really good at getting our CAC low and our LTV long. We were very efficient at buying Facebook ads and doing SEO. Until then, we hadn't worried about Shopify as a brand. We were simply focusing on our mission and building great products. In fact, the quote I shared from Toby earlier when we went public, right after that quote is this quote. More than 165,000 stores use Shopify today. Yet as a brand, we are virtually invisible to consumers. This is by design, as our job is to make our merchants look their very best. But as we grew, we wanted to start expressing ourselves and our values more. We wanted to speak the language of the entrepreneurs who we were building for. If you don't tell your own story and share your ambition, somebody else is inevitably going to do it for you. But to do this effectively, you need a deep understanding of what you're truly trying to build for. We've always known our mission, to make commerce better for everyone. But that's a what. We needed to understand our why. So after a lot of effort and deep dives, we came up with our brand purpose, which is unlock the power of commerce for those seeking independence. There's two important parts to this statement. The first being unlock. Shopify is the keys. We are the tool, but it is our merchants and is the entrepreneur who uses that tool to unlock what they need and what they're trying to achieve with their business. Independence. Our merchants seek independence for a number of reasons. It can mean financial independence for some. For others, it's work-life balance, getting away from that boss you can't stand, flexibility of how and where you work. And for some, it's independence of thought, creativity, passion. So once we landed on our brand purpose, we then had to figure out how do we convey this to the world? So we took our mission, we connected it to our purpose, and we used that to get creative with our first ever campaign that we launched called Let's Make You a Business. The premise of this campaign is making stuff, making products is really easy, but turning that stuff into an actual business is really hard. We wanted to bring out the human nature of that. We can, at Shopify, literally help you make a business online, but we can also help you, the human being, turn yourself and your dreams into a business. We also wanted to express the entrepreneurial journey authentically. So we used lines and zigzags and dots to showcase that being an entrepreneur isn't about a straight line. It flips, it curves, it turns into a pretzel like you see here. Finally, we wanted to be approachable and clever. No marketing speak, no jargon. That's not how our merchants talk, so neither do we. That sock business you're thinking about could be a sock empire. When we showed Toby the campaign, he loved it, but he gave us one challenge. What can we do that's different? How can we hack what a traditional campaign looks like? Our answer to this was something that we called storefronts. We took over empty storefronts to encourage would-be entrepreneurs to imagine their business in that very spot. It was a great way to get people to envision not only having a retail store, but also to leverage outdoor advertising and ex existing empty inventory in a new and interesting way. For our next campaign, Supporting Independence, we doubled down even further on our purpose and on the concept of independence. But this time we played with the sound and the spelling and changed the E-N-C-E to E-N-T-S to show that we were focusing on the individual behind the brand the merchant and the entrepreneur. 
We featured more than 2,000 merchants in this campaign. We created shoppable ads with QR codes and we showed a depth of products, again, using a playful tone to show the real challenges of scaling businesses and that Shopify was there to help. Shopify has 24-7 support because businesses don't sleep. But you need to. Seriously, don't not sleep. In our TV spot, every single thing we featured was from a merchant, from the actual humans who were merchants themselves, to the wallpaper on the set, which we changed out, to the products used by the hair and makeup team. Finally, I want to show you a video that our president, Harley Finkelstein, recently put on his social. When you get your leaders to speak this organically and this authentically in the language of your purpose, that's when you know you've won. That's when you know the purpose has become a natural part of your leadership team and of your company culture and of who you are as a brand. Every 28 seconds, an entrepreneur on Shopify makes their first sale. That transformative moment, that first cha-ching sound from their Shopify app, that is the reason we do what we do. We want more people to experience this. More entrepreneurs, more rebels, more of the ones taking the road less traveled. Opportunity is not evenly distributed and Shopify works to change this. Our objective is to offer anyone with a dream the chance to start a business, to make opportunities available to people who thought they didn't have any, to enable the Davids of the retail world to succeed alongside the Goliaths, to take a million small stars and light up the world. Everything we ever build is in pursuit of making commerce better for everyone. Our vision of the future includes more voices rather than fewer, more choices instead of one option. Shopify thrives on the collective success of every single independent business we power. And that means we only succeed when our merchants do. So we will always create more value for you than we capture for ourselves. To the entrepreneurs reaching for independence, we build for you. To the trailblazers behind enterprises doing business differently, we build for you. To the renegades, the innovators, the dreamers, we build for all of you. Shopify is the entrepreneurship company, and we will never lose sight of this or you. So the lesson here is know your brand purpose and treat it as your North Star. Use that purpose as a guiding light to make yes or no decisions about opportunities. Entrepreneurs know they need to have a good story and a reason behind their company. Without a soul or a purpose, it won't be long until someone else comes along with a similar or the same product that's going to have a lower price or a faster delivery speed or some other what. Do things differently. This is a credo at Shopify that we live by. By zooming out and taking a systems thinking approach, we're able to see the feedback loops that other people miss. Instead of following what other brands do, we wanna look at the bigger picture and see if other more creative options are available to us. Shopify was built because Toby rejected the existing software models and built his own. So this in turn is deeply built into our DNA and our brand strategy. When you see everyone running in one direction, look to the opposite to see where the real possibilities lie. When I got to Shopify, social media was in my purview, but it had been an afterthought. So I did what any good marketer would do. I dug into audience segmentation, channel strategies, I created content pillars, but it wasn't working. It was polite, it was earnest, it was fine. But frankly, it was really boring. So I took a step back and I did something really simple. I put an internal job posting up and I tried to find the three funniest people I could at Shopify. 
Once I did, I gave them the keys to our social channels and I told them to try as hard as they could to get fired. I said, don't call me, don't ask me for approval unless you really think there are legal or financial implications. And to their credit, they took me really seriously. Once we let go of the concept of strategy and got truly bold, we saw a massive engagement, which you can see on our Twitter. But ultimately, the content best speaks for itself. A lot of our competitors shy away from mentioning their competitors, but we don't mind poking fun at our competitors. And Amazon is a a frequent uh, company that we like to tease openly on Twitter. It's ridiculous. And our executives tend to ask the next morning questions like, what's actually happening with our social media team? But it makes us laugh and it makes us realize you don't need to take yourself so seriously. We want to have fun. And the most important thing is to engage the audience on social. Admittedly, sometimes we flirt really close to what's appropriate. And sometimes we even step over the line. But at the end of the day, we always ask ourselves, does this feel personal? Does it feel mean-spirited? And Shopify employees are the first ones to make sure they keep us in line. But it's not only our social media account where we do things unconventionally. As I mentioned earlier with the storefront example, we're always trying to find a way to hack traditional big marketing tactics. The Super Bowl is one of those marquee moments for a marketer. Everybody wants to run a Super Bowl ad. Every year, we know our friends at Squarespace are going to run a Super Bowl ad, and they're going to have a celebrity in it, and the celebrity's going to talk about being an entrepreneur. So in 2019, we got an early heads up that their ad was going to feature Winona Ryder, walking down the real-life town of Winona, Minnesota, talking about her new business. So what we did is we took a look to see if we had any real merchants who happened to be living and working in Winona, Minnesota. Turns out we had over 30. So we simply hacked into Squarespace's conversation on social by highlighting the real merchants of Winona, Minnesota, and tagging Squarespace throughout the game. Ultimately, the win wasn't about the reach or the splash for us. It was about experimenting with ways to come at something differently. Another tried and true tactic that's been around for eons is the press release. No one likes the press release. Media doesn't like them. Media doesn't want to read them. But as a public company, the SEC requires us to use them for certain big announcements, earnings, fundraising rounds, stock issues. At the top line of the press release, it says where your company is headquartered. So in our case, Ottawa, Ontario. A couple months ago, Toby casually asked, what if we change that? We've announced to the world that post-pandemic, we're not going back to the offices. We're not doing a hybrid. We're going to stay what we call digital by default. So his question was, we're not really headquartered anywhere. We're actually headquartered on the internet, so let's just change that to internet comma everywhere. I figured, why not? I called the big newswire that we work with and asked them to change it. They proceeded to give me a bunch of lame excuses about routing and credibility and systems that we would break and why they couldn't change it. So our answer was to tease them a bit and insert a paragraph in our next press release calling the newswire system archaic and behind the times in technology. We thought it was funny. They did not. So at one o'clock in the morning, they held up our press release, which then in turn gave our legal and finance team a heart attack. Now, at this point, you'd think, just let it go. Let the press release go. Keep it as Ottawa. But that's not how we work. So we started cold calling all the newswires we could find. The first one I called 
gave me the same lame excuses as the other one. The second one literally hung up on me. The third company I got was a small newswire based in Canada, owned by a guy named Ian, who picked up the phone. When I told him what we were trying to do, he said, sure, why not? He didn't see a problem with it. He knew Shopify, he knew we were digital, and thought it would be fun. So that's what we did. And then in a very meta moment, the press ended up writing about our fight with the newswires. So we ended up getting press on our press release. At the end of the day, this is a perfect example of a mechanism that's been in comms for God knows how long. And it wouldn't have even occurred to me to change that line. But why not? This is how entrepreneurs think. It's how direct to consumer came to be. Because entrepreneurs ask, why do I need to give a cut to someone in the middle? Why can't I sell directly to my customer? Or they looked at a certain legacy category, say mattresses or eyewear, and thought, why can't this experience be more modern, more efficient, and more pleasant? Entrepreneurs ask questions. They come up with great ideas by being skeptical about standard systems. To do things differently, you also have to leverage your executives in unconventional ways. Play to, their, to your executives' bent strengths and let them be their authentic selves in the public realm. Don't be a marketing control freak. When I first joined Shopify and was building relationships with our execs, I was ready and willing to take control of our public brand. It's what I was brought in to do. It's what I thought I should do. And then Toby would do things like this. Elon Musk decided to donate a million trees. When a perfect stranger tweeted a challenge at Toby to do the same, he decided to donate a million and one trees. My reaction was, he should have told me about this. This is all wrong. This isn't the right positioning. This is a big risk. Then his tweet went viral with a 312% higher reach than average. We got great press and it was a good thing. The risk I imagined wasn't really there at all. So I had to reflect and think, why did I feel like I needed to control that situation? As I let these things go and ask our executives to do more of them, that's when we started having a lot of fun. We now celebrate our execs stepping in, experimenting, and even failing just as much as they ask us to do all these things. So now, if Toby decides to hold himself up in his office to do a live Twitter AMA with no talking points, which he's done, his chief of staff and I have fun with it, as you can see from her tweet. We have a laugh, we hold our breath, but we still let him do it. So how does this relate to entrepreneurship and to brand building? It's like Tetris. When you fit in, you disappear. You must be willing and able to do things differently in order to stand out and leave a mark. Know your market really well and train yourself to spot opportunities that others will miss. Learn which threats and mistakes to take seriously and which ones to have fun with. Marketing doesn't have to look like marketing. If you run in the opposite direction of everyone else, there's less competition there and you're more likely to stand out. At Shopify, we say we're building a 100-year-old company. That means we can't focus only on what our merchants need now, but what they'll need from us in the future. We actively work on building the commerce future we want to exist, and we share that future with our audience. Something we've been thinking a lot about as a company is the difference between a finite and an infinite game. With finite games, there are goals and rules, a specific endpoint. That is the point, to end, to win. If we launch a successful campaign or win a category, 
that's a finite game. An infinite game is one where the goal is to just keep playing. It never ends. An example of this is learning. You never stop learning. You want to do it forever. There's always more to learn. What we're really trying to do at Shopify is to build a company for the long term. We're building for forever. And when you build a company with that lens, it forces you to think differently about your plans. It involves future-proofing and constant evolution instead of just building something for one use case and then being done. We truly believe entrepreneurship has to be in the world forever, and nothing can threaten that. So to play the infinite game with your brand, you have to do things that drive long-term value in the world, not just tap into the of-the-moment cultural zeitgeist. We believe that commerce is a force for good. To us, social impact is not about writing a check. It's not about a donation. It's about creating a product-led partnership that addresses systemic issues and empowers. We believe our product is our power that we can give to the world, and that puts us in a highly unique position. If we're building for the long term, we need to make sure we have a healthy planet to live on. In 2019, we launched the Shopify Sustainability Fund, which invests millions of dollars in climate technologies that have the biggest potential to reverse climate change. Since we believe in the power of our product, we also build sustainability into our products. We have an offset app for our merchants that gives them the ability to carbon neutralize their shipping emissions. We have a consumer-facing tracking app called Shop, which automatically offsets all emissions from consumers and buyers' purchases. During Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Monday, Shopify offsets all emissions of every order placed. This past year, we offset over 62,000 tons of carbon. This is an infinite game. We'll never get to a place where we're done. We also recently launched a partnership with an organization called Operation Hope out of Atlanta. The goal of this partnership is to create 1 million new Black-owned businesses by 2030. According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, Black-owned businesses represent only 9.5% of all businesses in the U.S. During the pandemic, there was a 41% decline in Black owners in the U.S. from February to April alone. That is a problem. Since we're building for the long term, and since we believe that everyone should have access to the opportunity to be an entrepreneur, it's a problem we also want to solve. We also know that minority populations traditionally have a hard time getting access to capital. So one of the tentpole parts of our Operation Hope Partnership is a $130 million injection of capital into the program. I think the best way for me to illustrate why these partnerships matter for our brand is to play this audio clip from a merchant who recently called into our support team. Okay, perfect. Congratulations, Tita. Well, I thank you because I'm, I'm, I'm really, can I express something to you? Please, please. And this, this is on the side of the situation demographically being a woman, being an African-American woman, in terms of traditional funding, many times it is just totally out of the question and not available because whatever systems are in place. And I'm going to tell you, Shopify providing this opportunity on a general level, you all really make an impact on a lot of people, a lot of women and a lot of women of color who pursue businesses 
and this was the only option that was available for actual capital um, funding. And I really appreciate you all for that. And if if people don't know what Shopify does in that in that sense, I don't think a lot of people realize how valuable that particular funding option is for a lot of people. And I just wanted to thank you all for that. We've learned to attach our brand to meaningful things that have an impact on the world at large and not just think about our business and our bottom line. Nothing tested us as much as this past year with the pandemic. We knew that if we didn't act fast in the short term, then there would be no long term for entrepreneurship. Our merchants needed us more than ever when the pandemic hit. We knew this was a critical moment for them, and so we deleted all of our plans and we built the things they needed to survive, like curbside pickup, local delivery, extending capital to as many geographies as possible around the world. More than ever, we needed to be nimble and agile, acting like entrepreneurs ourselves to keep our merchants' businesses alive. That applied to our marketing as well. Our priority was not us or our brand. Our priority became making sure our merchants knew about the tools that we had to help them. And it was about encouraging, celebrating, and inspiring them. There are two steps here. Step one, build a valuable business and brand that resonates with your audience. Step two, evolve that business and brand so that it will resonate with your audience in five, 10, 15 years. Anyone can build a business around a flash trend or a moment in time. The same goes for your brand. Designing your brand in millennial pink is a great finite game to tap into the of the moment color trends. But to build a lasting brand, you need to future-proof your strategy and ensure that what you're offering remains relevant for years and decades to come. At Shopify, we say we're merchant obsessed. We believe our story is best told through our merchants and their stories. We're always looking for ways to hand over our audience, channels, and our access to them. Having said that, Shopify is also a public company, and we have to obviously hold ourselves accountable to people invested in our bottom line. And marketing and marketing ourselves is the engine to grow that bottom line. But here's the really neat thing. The way our bottom line grows is through the success of our merchants and our entire ecosystem. We only succeed when our merchants succeed. So I'll give you a few examples of how we do that as a brand. When our president, Harley, who is our main external spokesperson, goes on TV, we often tell the producers it's contingent on them including a small emerging D2C brand with him. As you can see, we recently did here with Jim Cramer on Mad Money. This gives brands who don't have armies of marketers and publicists an opportunity to share a stage they never otherwise would have had access to. We also give over our own channels daily to highlight all different kinds of merchants. And we aren't like our competitors where we just show the cool, hip, sort of Brooklyn-based, very curated maker set. We want to show our entire ecosystem truly as it is. We highlight everyone from the maker to the dropshipper, from rural to urban, from small to large. And we encourage them to talk about their failures, their what the fuck moments, the time that they almost quit and gave up. We wanna show the journey as authentically as we can and how hard and lonely it can be. Shopify is also not only made up of this incredible network of entrepreneurs who sell things on our platform, but also a network of called Shopify partners. These are app developers, website designers, 
theme builders, all kinds of people who provide services for our merchants. And we also work to lift them up and celebrate them in our marketing, just as we do our entrepreneurs and merchants. The beautiful thing here is that all these pieces work together to generate what we call flywheel effect. If our partners are doing well by building apps and sites to make our merchants grow, then those merchants put money back into the economy to grow their business, then Shopify grows, and then Shopify invests back into our products for our merchants. We all feed into each other, and when it works well, everyone's winning and there's growth across all aspects. But you have to keep kicking the flywheel to keep it moving. We can never sit back or the flywheel stops. And Shopify is at the center of this. It's our job to give it the kickstart, to start the momentum, and then it's our merchants and partners who take that momentum and run with it. To build a lasting brand, build something that's bigger than you. By keeping your customers, your partners, anyone who helps your mission as your North Star, you'll automatically build products that make their lives easier, which in turn means you're a brand they will respect, be loyal to, and ultimately continue to invest in. Finally, I'd like to wrap up by taking an internal look and talking a little bit about culture and how we believe company culture impacts the external brand. At Shopify, we build a company culture that encourages employees to practice what we preach. Shopify is the entrepreneurship company, and therefore we need to build a culture that allows employees to think and act like entrepreneurs. To truly understand the entrepreneur mindset, you have to know what it's like to be an entrepreneur yourself. We actively encourage employees to launch their own businesses. We give everyone a free store and a budget to spend on it. It's one of the first things you do in onboarding is build your Shopify store. Every corner of Shopify is filled with inspirational stories of employee side hustles. There's the woman in social media who was newly out, so she created a merch store for the LGBTQ community to give herself confidence, and now she provides merch officially for a number of pride festivals. There's a guy who works in operations who has a beauty brand called Bush Balm that was named one of the fastest growing brands in Canada this year. There's a very senior product executive who has an apiary, and he spends his weekends out there with his bees harvesting and selling honey online. And there's the person who recently quit Shopify because they grew a business to over $1 million in revenue in their spare time in less than a year. This is the best possible reason for someone to leave Shopify, and we encourage this. But these are not just great stories about culture. These are great stories for our external employer brand and to attract incredible talent to work at Shopify. Let me show you a video that we recently put out for a talent acquisition campaign. We just hit 1 million businesses around the world to use Shopify. And I am part of that story. Working for a company that's kind of built around independent creative thinkers gives you the freedom to also be a creative independent thinker. Sometimes at work, I'm not as creatively motivated and I just need to take a break. I might switch and focus on my business. And that gives me some breathing space and I can go back to focusing on the problems that I was solving for Shopify. I saw how much effort it takes to get that first sale. To be able to go through the process myself, I saw how challenging it can be, and my level of empathy just grew significantly. I feel like a business owner working on the inside to help other business owners who use Shopify. What other kind of nine to five job would you possibly want? Beyond giving space for side hustles, 
Shopify's values and benefits are deeply entrenched in cultivating the entrepreneurial mindset. We have something called Bridge the Gap, which allows every employee at Shopify at any time to shadow our support team. The reason we do this is because we have another philosophy called stay close to the front lines. It's important that we are hearing directly from our merchants what their challenges is, challenges are on a daily basis. We say we have coaches that are available also internally to any employee at Shopify. The reason is they're there to help us break convention, help us push ourselves and learn that entrepreneurial mindset. Our values are things like act like an owner, have a growth mindset, be a continual learner. We've built our entire company culture around respect for entrepreneurship. So the lesson here is to truly understand your market, you need to think, act, and learn like them. If you encourage all of your employees to dive into the mindset of your audience, you will build a culture that perpetrates deep respect for and understanding of your customers. So to wrap up, to build an a brand like an entrepreneur, you have to, most importantly, think like an entrepreneur, innovate and experiment like an entrepreneur, obsess over your purpose and your mission, and never ever stray from them. Encourage entrepreneurship from within, take more risks, and when you think you're taking enough of them, take even more. And finally, to truly build a brand like an entrepreneur, you have to operate like one, not just yourself, but your entire company and every system and strategy you use. If you do all of this right, I believe your brand will virtually create itself. I'd like to leave you with another audio clip from a merchant calling into a shop, our Shopify support team. This clip was in the heart of the pandemic. I'd say it was late, late spring, early summer. It's a beautiful result of Shopify being obsessed with entrepreneurs and relying on our mission and purpose to guide every decision we make. Thank you. Hi, thank you for calling Shopify's retail support. I have a Shopify account I've been working on to launch an online store for selling local vegetables and flowers. We're just barely able to do this in the midst of trying to grow all this stuff. However, there is interest now of coming to pick up the vegetables on the farm, of which we hope to do pre-sales online. Yeah, absolutely. I could cry right now because it's a work for Shopify. I don't think we have a farm. So... I don't think we sell anything. And I almost didn't set it up because building a website is so hard and Shopify made it so easy. You know, they should know they're really helping people. And it's really important. That um, speaks to me on a, yeah. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. 
More important than anything that Amy just said, to me, the real value of her presentation is who Amy is. I hope that you got a sense of her personality and her style. You know, clearly she's a competent marketer, but she's also a bit of a contrarian, certainly a change agent. She represents the type of person that I hope is leading your marketing department. Unfortunately, I see too many marketing leaders who think their job is to just do their boss's bidding. When in reality, the job description of your marketing leader is to increase your company's profits by knowing what customers want from the company. And oftentimes marketers need to do things that will make their boss uncomfortable. That's a good thing. Bosses are not always right. And if you have the data and you know your market well, and you're good at what you do, then you can figure out ways to service them properly. As Amy said, that demands a better blend between performance marketing and brand building. It may require showcasing your clients in your campaigns instead of always talking about yourself. And it may involve unconventional social media strategies that differ from what your competitors are doing or what your organization considers safe. You know, I made a note during Amy's session that says, quote, ask more questions, be more skeptical, challenge more norms, end quote. I think that any marketer who does those three things well is gonna enjoy above average success. And the more we can associate with or surround ourselves with other people like Amy and the other cult brand leaders that are presented at the gathering and featured on this podcast, the more inspired and emboldened we'll all become and we'll learn how best to help our organizations live up to their potential. Until next time. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at the gathering of Forbes' top-rated business summit. Learn more about the gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.